This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. And a very good morning. We welcome you along to Wednesday's edition of Cork Today. John Paul is taking a few days off this week and next week. So Bernie is sitting in taking your calls. If there's anything you want to share with us, 1850 333 103. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. I've already had a call in this morning from Dan in Formoy, who was last night watching the Brendan Grace tribute show on TV. It's been running for the last three weeks now. I have to put my hand up and say didn't see any of the programmes, any of the three. But I do know that after the first two, we got a number of calls in from listeners saying that it was absolutely wonderful. And only last week, somebody sent in a message saying this is proof that when RTE do programmes well, they do it really, really well. So when I saw this call come in from Dan to say that the third part of the three part series was on last night, I was expecting Dan to be fulsome in his praise of the show. But he wasn't. He said very, very disappointed with the third and final part. He says it was basically a trailer for an upcoming Christmas show. He felt it was an insult to the viewers. And how did other people feel? And as I say, because I've had such good praise of this show for the last two weeks, I will be interested to hear how others, particularly those that really enjoyed the first two, did you enjoy the third and final part? Or are you with Dan on this, that it was an insult to viewers? If anybody watched that, the third and final part of the Brendan Grace tribute show last night. And thank you to uh, Rose and family. I got a gorgeous, gorgeous email in this morning. Well, I only got to read it this morning. Was it sent? Oh, yeah, it was sent sent yesterday uh, to say... A quick message to say how much we enjoyed and benefited from the councillor Joe Heffernan on your programme yesterday morning. My mother Rose was feeling down in the dumps, what with the weather and the terrible news of that poor homeless man who had been murdered in Cork City. Joe was excellent yesterday on your programme. Such a kind voice. He actually lifted her spirits. Isn't that lovely? And I'll make a note of that email and I'll pass that on to Joe. He'll be delighted when he joins us next uh, Tuesday. And also yesterday... Let me stay with yesterday for a moment. Yesterday on the programme, we were talking about the flooding on the M8 
on between Junction 12 Mitchells, Mitchellstown and Junction 13 Care on Monday. And people were asking the question, including me, how does a motorway flood that badly? Flood so badly that they had to close the road completely. And we were praising one of our listeners, Kay, who had gone out and taken a video and we put the video footage up on our Facebook page and we had a huge reaction to it from people who had been caught in the floods, from people who had just missed it, people who got diverted, people who were asking that same question, how does a new motorway flood to that extent? Well, I read in the papers today, Barry Roach has a piece in the Irish Times, the Transport Infrastructure Ireland, which uh, has said that the agency can never guarantee that there won't be a repeat of the flooding that closed the motorway last Monday. But they are saying that events like that are rare. The TII spokesperson, Sean O'Neill, well, you'll often hear uh, Sean O'Neill any time that there's major weather. Sean O'Neill is kind of always wheeled out for TII. He said the agency does liaise with all of the local authorities on a regular basis and they try to prevent blockages in local drainage system because that was the reason for the flooding. There was a blockage in the local drainage system. He says, of course, we can't guarantee that such incidents won't occur again not just here in Cork, but anywhere else in the country. And he is, the reason he uses is that Mother Nature is more powerful than anything we can legislate for. But he says our engineers regularly liaise with the local authorities and they have seasonal brief briefings. And for example, they've recently had one so that they're winter ready to make sure in all extremes of weather that they'll be able to keep the no road network open and operational. Now, approximately 50 millimetres of rain fell in a very short period of time on Monday. And that caused water to come down from the Galtee Mountains. It was prevented from entering a culvert north of the motorway. Why? The culvert was blocked by a fallen tree. So it was just, uh, pardon the pun, but it was almost like a perfect storm for this flooding. That then led to water flowing into the surrounding fields and those fields were already soaked because we had said that on Monday that there was a danger of flooding because the, the ground was already soaked. Anyway, so from there then the waters ran onto a local road and from the local road then they had nowhere else to go but onto the M8 and that resulted in the 200 metres of the northbound carriageway being under 1.5 metres of water. Sean O'Neill of TII uh, said diversions uh, quickly rerouted traffic along the adjacent look at the old N8 is there which meant hundreds of affected motorists should not have been hugely delayed however he did say about eight vehicles became stuck in the flood water they had to be removed by emergency services it then took several hours to clear the motorway because they had to turn everybody around and get them back and get them off the motorway TII contacted uh, staff contracted staff were assisted by Tipperary County Council obviously and then they cleared the culvert and that resolved the problem now anyone Oh, this was the other issue that came up yesterday. Somebody said, what about people that paid tolls, Patricia, on that road for that day? Would they get their money back? And I was saying, surely they would be entitled to a refund. Well, according to the TII, anyone who paid a toll to the operation, which would be direct route at Watergrass Hill, to head north onto the M8, should, they say, 
be entitled to a refund if they can verify payment and that they were affected by the flooding. But obviously the time, it would be fairly easy to do that because I'm assuming the time that you paid for your toll would be logged and then they would be able to calculate where you were down the road so that you were or were not uh, affected by that uh, flooding. Sean O'Neill said the flooding was a once-off issue due to this blocked culvert and did not call into question the motorway design. He says it meets international standards with an appropriate uh, camber to ensure normal water runoff. He said motorways which account for 1,200 kilometres of the 5,000 300 kilometres of national road network under TII control are future-proofed in that they're designed to cater for one in 50-year storm events compared to the previous one in 25-year standards. I always thought when we spoke about the storm events, it was one in a 100-year storm events because I remember when the flood design work was being put in place for Mallow, they were talking about the one in a hundred year storm and uh, people in Mallow will know we seem to be having one of those storms every single year. But anyway, for the road network, it's one in 50 year storm events. So can we keep our fingers crossed and hope that we won't have another deluge of rain and that a tree won't fall and block a culvert at the exact moment that the rain falls, that that won't happen for another 50 years. But if you were, you did, you were one of those ones that did pay the toll. Uh, there's an opportunity for you to get your money back. 1850-333-103. A Mallow Bridge came up for discussion yesterday. We were talking about it's going to close again. The northbound lane of Mallow Bridge is going to close for the complete duration of midterm break from when the children will break up on the Friday from the Saturday morning right through until the Monday morning when they go back to school. Mallow Bridge going to be closed northbound that's going to cause delays and a taxi driver commenting on that says can the contractor please guarantee that the work will be carried out over the entire weekend bearing in mind that that is a bank holiday weekend just that they closed it the last time and no work was done at the weekend as a taxi driver it was very annoying and very frustrating to pass the bridge and nothing was happening especially at uh, night now I don't know if they're going to guarantee I assume they're going to work over the long weekend but we'll see if we can get a guarantee that that is going to happen. I don't know if they're going to be doing nighttime work or not or whether they can get it all done in the nine days that the bridge is closed but we are being told that it will be ready to reopen on the Monday morning when the children go back to school. I think that's what we most need the the guarantee for and I suppose they won't be able to give us a 100% guarantee because this work starts and you never know once you start work will a problem arise that they, they couldn't have foreseen. Hopefully, that's not jinxes, hopefully that won't uh, happen. But they've given themselves this nine day window. Does that include nighttime work as well? We'll check in and see if we can uh, get some more information as to how long the work, what kind of hours uh, they'll actually be doing. Thank you for your text to 086 to 103-103. And somebody on about the Dan in Formoy who was very disappointed with the third and final part of the Brendan Grace tribute show on RTE last night. He basically says it was a trailer for an upcoming Christmas show an insult to viewers. Listener says, I agree with Dan from Formoy. Third part of the show was very boring. Actually felt like turning it off. They were only showing bits and pieces of each act's act. I was expecting much much more. Uh, that's disappointing. Uh, and it is disappointing when you sit down, you're all excited, you've really been enjoying a show and then the final bit kind of leaves you a little bit 
empty. I'm going, that wasn't what I was expecting. 1850-333-103. Bernie is taking your calls. Now, on the programme this morning, should businesses receive a break in their rates when roadworks in their town, they can prove that the roadworks have in some way affected their businesses or they know that because of roadworks happening, their business is going to be down, footfall is going to be down and if footfall is down, that means the taking at their tills are, are going to be down. Is it unfair that those businesses are still expected to pay the full amount of commercial rates when they're not making as much money as they would be making if the roadworks weren't in place. It was an issue that got raised at uh, Cork County Council this week. I'd love to hear from uh, businesses if you have a story to tell or an example that you can share with us how you can actually show that during the period where the roadworks went on and you can compare, say, with your takings from the previous year or your takings the following year after the roadworks, you can clearly show that your money was, was down. I mean, we, and anecdotally, I suppose, we'll hear of some businesses, if there's a lot of roadworks going on, I mean, flood relief works can go on. They don't just go on for a couple of weeks or a couple of months. They can go on for years. And we've seen businesses close. Did they close as a direct result? of the roadworks and lack of footfall and lack of people coming into their uh, business. Your thoughts welcomed on that. How to age well. There's a seminar happening in uh, Porky Cueve tomorrow. There's still places available, by the way, if you want to go along to it. We'll give you details of uh, how you can register uh, with it. But we're going to speak with the, one of the lead researchers with TILDA, which is the ageing study that's a fantastic study that's been going on for a number of years now at Trinity uh, University. It's uh, Professor Roseanne Kenny, and she's leading the seminar tomorrow. So we'll talk about all the do's and don'ts of ageing well. We know we have an ageing population. We know, please God, we're all going to live longer and hopefully we'll live happy and productive lives well into our old age and to do that you want to do it well. So we'll have some tips and advice on the programme today. And then at, in after 11 today we're going to be talking about ADHD. But today normally when we talk about ADHD we, we speak about it with regards to children and we speak about it with regard to adolescents in, in particular. But today we're looking at it from an adult's point of view because it seems the number of adults coming forward realising I got ADHD going forward for a diagnosis, getting diagnosed, but getting diagnosed as an adult. So we're going to talk about that and talk about when somebody is diagnosed, what help is actually available. And then it's time for our bi-monthly Awalia slot. This is the Free Mortgage Arrears Advice Group. And today we're discussing, I suppose, what is the worst case scenario if you're struggling with your mortgage and that's house repossessions. I mean, there are a lot. The one thing we've been doing with all of these features is showing the positive and showing that there's solutions out there. But of course, for a small cohort of people, there won't be a solution and a repossession will be the order of the day. So what do you do and how do you handle it? And it is Wednesday and it's a nice, bright, sunny Wednesday where I am looking out the window hopefully it is where you are as well we seem to be getting a bit of a break from the uh, from the rain and by all accounts the weather forecast for next week isn't bad either if you're out and about in the garden and you have a question for Peter Dowdle 
our gardening expert get it into us please 1850 333 103 Bernie will take those calls text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 and a couple of people commenting on what happened on the motorway with the flooding or TII say it's caused by a blocked culvert it was just unfortunate that at the time a tree blocked the culvert we ended up having 50 millimetres of rain a short period of time and the, uh, the water running off the Galtee Mountains should have entered the culvert but it couldn't because of the fallen tree somebody else is still uh, not not taking that as an answer there simply is no proper drainage no more than that from a texture. while Frank in West Cork says the flooding is down to Mother Nature the people in County Hall think that they can put roads and houses wherever they like they're building on floodplains they flooded Bandon when they built on the bogs no one would listen that that was a floodplain but they built regardless. Uh, Frank also agrees with Dan in for Moy that the Brendan Gray show was nothing more than a trailer for the Christmas show. But some thank you for that. But somebody else disagrees. They read Dan's comments on the show last night. He didn't like the third part of the Brendan Grace show. People like Dan have no appreciation of anything. It was simply a beautiful show. And it was sad too. Dan needs to go to Specsavers and fast. Bradley Grace stole the show. Well, I'm assuming is Brendan Grace's son, is it? Uh, does Dan have something better to offer? Of course not. He's just another moaning Michael. <laughs> okay, in Dan's defence, we have had two, three, four people straight away who agreed with with Dan and said, including one person who felt like switching it off. They thought it was uh, very boring indeed. So it's it's individual choice and taste, uh, I suppose. Uh, 1850-333-103. Bernie, taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Cork today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Now yesterday during our discussion on the traffic delays that can be expected due to the second closure of the northbound lane of Mallow Bridge, it was suggested that businesses in the town should get some kind of a break from the council by way of reduced commercial rates. Well, Cove councillor Cahal Rasmussen has raised this very issue at this week's council meeting and he joins me. Good morning, Chagall. I'm very well. Now, you're particularly fighting for businesses in your own hometown of Cove. Just outline the suggestion that you brought up. Well, Patricia, I suppose what I put in is I put a motion into council on Monday looking for a freezing of rates or to come up with some scheme to help the businesses in any town in the county that would experience uh, downturns in business due to delays due to roadworks prolonged periods. The reason I did that really is because in the Cove area uh, on this very Monday that I put motion in, the Lower Harbour drainage scheme has started and for the next two years approximately, uh, on and off the works will be carried out. So obviously business is going to be affected. At the end of that then, public rhythm uh, development is going to happen. So basically for three, four years in the Cove area disruption is going to occur to businesses and my concern is that Obviously, business is going to be affected, tourism is going to be affected, less people will be able to travel into towns like Cove and Mallow and all these places that are, are having roadworks. And Middleton is due to start as well shortly. Therefore, people won't be able to afford the rates that they have at the moment because businesses will be affected. So it was on that premises, really, that I was looking for support from my fellow councillors and the executive to see what could be done to kind of help businesses get over this period of time to make sure that when the works are done, which are very necessary and are very welcome, but that they will still be there to survive. Yeah, I, I mean, are you fearful that some particularly smaller businesses could actually close if footfall is down? 
Yeah, I, I, I'm very concerned about it because I know that uh, a lot of councillors spoke on the motion and they all gave, a lot of them gave examples in their own towns over the last five years where some businesses have closed, have let staff go and have reduced significantly their footfall. So I am genuinely concerned that businesses will be affected because at the end of the day, if you can't drive into a town, get parking, walk around easily, you're going to go to the next town or village, wherever, to get your goods um, and therefore I am genuinely concerned that that will happen, yes. Yeah, because only yesterday when we discussed what's happening in Mallow and it's only going to be a nine-day diversion of, of traffic but it comes on the back of what was an eight-week diversion of traffic and somebody said that when it was when the diversions were in place for the eight weeks somebody who normally would be in town a couple of times a week only went twice. She decided she went somewhere else. Yeah, and look, that is common sense because I suppose, look, everybody everybody's time is precious and if you know that if you normally you could run down to your local shop and get something in, it takes 15 minutes if you know it's going to take an hour an hour and a half because you have to find parking because there's restrictions in, in the traffic you're going to go somewhere easier and that will happen in every town and I suppose that was why I was hoping that we could get some discussion started on it um, to see where we would go with it um, and, what, and what would you be I mean somebody rang in yesterday saying that you, they should be offered reduced rates You're, you actually went so far as to freeze the rates Yeah uh, unfortunately the executive to be fair to the executive we've discussed this in the last six or seven years in council since my time there it's been raised a number of times and I suppose the, the official position is that the council aren't in the position to freeze rates stop rates or whatever because it's a legal requirement but through central government to do this and I suppose the second point is is that the council are very quick to point out to us that you know the rates helped pay us for our roads and houses and all the services that we do provide. Um, That's so how you generate income. Exactly, but I suppose at the end of the day, my and what they've also said, this is a tax as such. This is it's a tax on the, the size of the building that you have on the premises. It's not actually on how well or how good how bad you're doing yeah. in your business. And they've got to extreme lengths to explain that to us. My point on that would be that, you know, that's fine, but if you have a pub or a business or a restaurant, whatever, and that nobody's using it, you won't be in a position to pay your thousand euro at the end of the month or whatever the rates are if you don't take in the thousand euro over the counter. So at the end of the day, the council will lose out. Now, I suppose, to be fair to them as well, they did say that they will work with um, rate payers in the areas and businesses, in any affected areas, to put in a schedule of payment that will make it easier for them. They're not saying that they will uh, reduce the rate of that, but they will spread it out over a longer period of time. Um, which, okay, in the short term, that's fine, but it's saying in a place like Cove, where this works are going to go on for a number of years, that would be quite difficult to see how that would work. Already, people are complaining about the rates are very high anyway. You know, I mean, a lot of businesses do suffer with the rates in all the towns. And as you know, that when the county council took over a few years ago, from the town councils, all the rates were equalised. So mm. in some areas, the rates were going up and going down. But over the five years, which this, which is now coming to an end, the, the rates will all have been equalised. So the rates are quite high, unfortunately, for our businesses. Yeah, and some of those smaller businesses are already struggling. Completely. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Businesses are finding it tough, you know, that you have a lot of towns with big shopping centres and it's very easy for people to go to those shopping centres and a lot of the town centres are forgotten about. I suppose in the Cove area, we've been working very hard with the contractor with Irish Water, with local businesses, and we've had a lot of meetings with them to try and make sure that Cove is open for business and refer to the contractor. What is happening is they're making putting arrangements in place to make sure traffic flows as well as it can. We have a liner in today with 3,000 people. We have one, one, the R624, which is the main road in, is closed at the moment. There's mm. roadworks on the other road. And, you know, a lot of work and effort has gone in to make sure that 
Cove stays open and will stay open for the next number of years. But I am genuinely concerned that, like Cove, like other areas, Midland will, will be affected shortly in the new year. They're starting the public realm down there. They're going to have the same effect because towns are very vibrant when you have people there. If people can't come into the town, can't get parking, can't go to the shops, then obviously there's a knock-on effect for everybody. But I suppose the, the, the majority of this work is done for the long-term betterment of the town. So the argument could be put forward that businesses just have to ride it out for the long-term goal. They will benefit when it's all finished. Yeah, and I suppose to be honest with you, that that was raised by the executive the other day. You know, that there's a lot of money being invested. That There's no one disputing that. And I think I said at the outset that all this work is very welcome. It's necessary work. But at the end of the day, you know, it'll be, it'll, it'll be great to have all the, the streets done and services done but if you don't have shops open and businesses open you know towns will die as a result now I'm not saying that's going to happen in Cove or Middleton or other players of that but I'm just saying that you know there will be casualties in this there's no doubt that when in Killa it happened there's all in Cargline passages happened there was other areas there where shops have suffered as a result of all the roadworks for the last number of years so you know but it, it is Yeah an and I know and, I mean I, t- I take it there wasn't a councillor in the chamber from across the county that wasn't able to cite examples in their own area of where business was down? No, completely. Everybody was in agreement with it and I suppose what we were trying to look at and we were trying to look at it is something outside the box. We understand that if rates can't be frozen or reduced or whatever then see what can be done. So the economic social or the economic development group are going to work with the businesses in the Cove area and in other areas to look and see what uh, systems they can come up with to try and help them and to alleviate them. Um, but at the moment, I'm afraid they're, they're not in for reducing the rates or freezing the rates, unfortunately, in any area. OK, all right. And how, since you mentioned the uh, cruise ship coming in, have has, have, Co- have you been very busy in Cove? Yeah, we've had a fabulous year in Cove. Cove is a super, super town. There's been huge developments from a tourism point of view over the year, and it's been one of the best summers we've had for many, wow. many years. So, and as I say, the, the season's just about over from uh, the liner point of view. There's a huge liner in this morning with 3,000 people on it. And then, so there's a lot of people around. There's a lot of buses coming and going. And it's a beautiful day for us. So anybody who'd like to come to Cove, yes. you're all very welcome today. All right. OK. Listen, Carl, <laughs> uh, you sold it well. Thank you for that. We'll talk again. Thanks for joining us. Thanks very much. Good Mike. morning to you. That is Councillor Carl uh, Rasmussen joining us uh, from a very sunny Cove today. 1850-333-103. Bernie's taking your calls this morning. Text to WhatsApp 0862-103-103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086-2103-103. Now tomorrow evening, Porky Cueve will host a seminar on how to age well. It's a free community event which will be delivered by leading expert on ageing, Professor Roseanne Kenny. I'm delighted to say it's taken time out to speak to us this morning. Good morning to you, Roseanne. Good morning. Uh, you're, you're welcome. Now, you are a principal investigator with TILDA, the longitudinal study on ageing at uh, Trinity College. And the, your vision is to make Ireland the best place in the world to grow old. Are we getting there, do you we think? We are, yeah, yeah, slowly, <laughs> slowly. I mean, the, the whole purpose of, uh, first of all, TILDA, which is the study we're talking about, it's been running now for over 10 years. And it's a representative sample. We have a large cohort of people taking part from Cork. We see the same people um, every two years, and we do a very comprehensive assessment, including 
detailed health assessment, but also social and economic, to try and understand what are the things that are contributing to the ageing process. Identify early um, factors which may contribute to disability or smoke or dementia, or indeed a decline in mood or poverty or poor social circumstances, and intervene on those factors. So that's the purpose of the study, and we are generating a lot of data, a lot of information. Um, We have 350 papers to date over the last 10 years. And some of them have been absolutely fascinating. It's just, it's an amazing study. Mm -hmm. So that's what we're hoping to share. First of all, we have a lot of participants from Cork, uh, but also we work with the um, a number of researchers in UCC okay. um, um, on different components of the study. And indeed, some of the researchers there were have been involved with us from, from the very beginning with the study. So very excited to be presenting some of the uh, novel research from the study on, on really like secrets and for, for people listening on what you can do to age well. And it applies to all ages because we should be starting thinking about this, certainly in our 40s, if not in our 30s. So it's a, it, we've, we've coupled up with the GAA to do this uh, lecture tour around Ireland um, and to take the findings from our research and other research um, out into... And bring them out the in, in, into the community. OK, yeah. let's, let's look, look at some of the issues. How important are good social connections when it comes to ageing? So this is one of my favourite things. <laughs> it is because, you know, we all know after a good night out when you meet friends and have a good laugh or whatever, you feel better. Mm. And we've been able to show that actually biologically your, your, the, the, the bad things in cells, the inflammatory responses in cells, which we know accelerate ageing of cells, they're dampened down if you've got good social connections, good friendships, um, laughter, um, quality relationships. So, so you know, get, get out there, have fun, have friendships, have networks, because it actually has a positive biological effect. In fact, some of the studies show, and I, I'm not advocating smoking and drinking the bit out by this, but some of the studies show that it's as powerful an influence on, as, as a beneficial influence on health as smoking, giving up smoking and reducing alcohol and increasing exercise. My goodness. Yeah, I know. That's incredible. That's incredible. And having a positive outlook as we get older, I I assume, is vital as well. Having a positive outlook as we get older is really powerful. I mean, we sort of, we, we encapsulate that by you are as young as you feel. Now, again, we've shown, because the study is so rich and detailed that when you adjust for all of the other things that might influence having a positive outlook, on its own, having a positive outlook, look, not just predicts how fast you walk or your physical health or your mental health a few years down the road, but actually our most recent data have shown that it influences mortality. So you're less likely to die if you have a positive outlook. And again, it, we bring it right back and the lecture will do this to why should that be? How could that possibly be the case? But it, it's happening at a cellular level. And the people who dread retiring, uh, Ro- Roseanne, is planning for that day the key to it? Planning is really important and planning in a, a comprehensive way. And, and you, you, you are right. 
there are people who absolutely do not wish to retire. Now, thankfully, compulsory retirement has been lifted for public servants. I think that's important because there's lots of evidence to show choice is really important. To be able to choose retirement, type of retirement, timing of retirement. So that's the first thing. Secondly, if you are retiring, do prepare. Now, I mean, I will be the worst in the world for this myself. (laughs) Practice what you preach, Roseanne. Practice what you preach. Absolutely, and I'd be really bad at that. But, but, so, the data shows, the research shows that, you know, if, if people who are volunteering before they retire and have good social networks before they retire, continue and accelerate those after retirement, and they do very well. They do very well in terms of mood, quality of life, physical health. You know, everything we look at, it's better if, you're pl- if you've planned well, but you have to plan in advance. Interestingly, people who retired and haven't done that don't seem to do it after they retire. So you need to, wow. it, it looks like it needs to be done before you retire. At least that's what the data is showing. Uh, because we were only talking on the programme about volunteering last week because the Cork Volunteering Centre, we were uh, in association with them for a number of awards that we were giving out to uh, volunteers. But we were speaking about volunteering and what the volunteers get from volunteering and the amount of older people who contacted us to say that their volunteering work uh, is just gives them such a sense of purpose and something to do every day or every week. Well, I'm, I'm so pleased to hear that. I mean, that's exactly what the research shows. And um, it, 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 it sh- without a doubt, the people who are engaged in regular volunteering um, derive, see, they, they probably derive social network benefits. But actually, there's really good data as well to show that if you, even if you're a very rich philanthropist, and you, you're you using your money to give to others, more of your brain lights up beneficially than if you're using your money to reinvest into yourself or your own interests. That's incredible. So there is something about giving that's innate within us. Yeah that, yeah. that I think we've evolved with this because, you know, societal structures probably couldn't have been sustained in the past if there wasn't a sharing and giving and I think it's part of our evolutionary process so giving well, is part yeah, of it. And I think everyone will identify that with that That I mean there's very few of us would admit that you get such a buzz when you, even when you're handing giving a present to somebody you get more of a buzz giving a present and particularly if it's something that you know you're going to get a reaction or it's something that somebody really wants you get a much bigger buzz than somebody is giving you a present. Yeah that's a really good example actually I haven't thought of that but I mean, that's very true and that probably is there's something that everybody listening can identify yeah, with to show yeah. what we're saying. Yeah. Now, who are you hoping uh, Roseanne would attend tomorrow's seminar? Well, we've had, this is the sixth one we've done, and we've had fantastic responses, Brilliant. I have to say. Um, and in Mayo, we had to bring an extra 100 chairs <laughs> into the room. It was amazing. But I would be, you know, from Mayo myself, and my father actually played on the last GA team to win an All-Ireland medal in Mayo, so so there was a personal twist to that. Um, so we get people from all ages. Um, um, uh, anybody who's interested in understanding what what happens, what 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 happens as we as we age, um, as I said to you, what I'm talking about will be certainly things people should be thinking about in their forties. So we do see a broad spectrum of ages, and we're doing it with the GA because they're. Healthy Clubs Initiative is fabulous. It's for all ages. Of course, a lot of their supporters are of all ages. 
Mm. So, yeah, we have a big outreach, mix of genders. We have a pretty good uh, a mix of men and, and women. And, uh, and we usually have a really good GAA champion at each of the events. Yeah, and tomorrow's is uh, Dennis Coughlin, the All Ireland hurling uh, which player, which is amazing. Absolutely. Yeah, which is which yeah, is fantastic. Which is yeah, okay, yeah. and people can now. I know I saw um, if people want to register, but you, but you will allow walk-ins as well. Oh, walk-ins in the night are welcome, but people it can ring yeah. Tilda in Dublin. Oh one eight nine six four one two zero to reserve a seat. But you are more than welcome to walk in tomorrow night, Porky Creeve, and it's on between seven and nine. That's right. Seven and yeah. nine. Uh, listen, in, enjoy your trip to Cork, uh, Roseanne. And uh, thank you very much for talking to us on the programme. Thank you. Good okay. morning Bye-bye. to you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That is Professor Rose Anne uh, Kenny, a leading expert on ageing. And as I say, she will be leading up that seminar, How to Age Well, if you want to go along uh, tomorrow night in Porky Cueve, uh, in Cork between seven and uh, nine. Uh, we wish everybody a luck with it. And actually, somebody is asking, I saw a text come in about an event that I'm involved with next Saturday in Coke Park in Dublin. Somebody says, wondering uh, if Patricia would know is there any possibility of getting tickets for Life Without Limits in Coke Park on Saturday? It's, it's actually called Beyond Limits is the seminar. It's a seminar that's been organised by the Ombudsman for Children and it is... Uh, a seminar it's a pl- what they're hoping to do with the seminar is a platform to young people with disabilities in Ireland and it's they're hoping that it will demonstrate to young people how to include people with disabilities in major events uh, of this kind and they're hoping that it's a, a legacy that will that issues affecting young people with disabilities will become more mainstream and are recognised by those outside of the disability community so it is for young people with disabilities but it's also for their parents it's for their carers it's for their friends and they're hoping they're hoping and they can cater for up to a thousand people it would be terrific I know the last time I checked in with uh, with, with one of the organisers from the Ombudsman for Children and they were saying that over 600 tickets had already been sold so, it's, so it is uh, terrific but there are still tickets available you get them from eventbrite.ie eventbrite.ie but it's Beyond Limits is the name of the event that you're looking for I think it's a tenner for children or tenner for adults and a fiver for children it, it isn't very expensive and there is a huge huge uh, lineup of speakers I'm there not quite as a speaker I'm a panellist I'll be with Fergus Finlay and someone else. We're one of the first, we're in the first section on the Saturday morning. I think we're on stage at about half past 11.25 to uh, 12 and we'll be talking. I'll be obviously talking in my role as a parent of a young person with uh, disabilities and just hugely honoured to be sharing the stage with uh, Fergus Finlay, former Fergus, Fergus Finlay, formerly of Bernardus. Terrific, terrific uh, guy. And I know it's Julian Benson, you know, the the wonderful, wonderful presenter of uh, Dancing with the Stars, one of the judges with Dancing with the Stars, he's going to be moderating it. He'll be moderating the panel discussion uh, that I'm on. And I think, I think they're streaming some of, of the events from Beyond Limits on the RTE News Now channel on Sky. It's on, well, I know it's on Sky, it's on other platforms as well. Um, and I'm open to correction, but I think the one, the session that I'm doing is going to be streamed on Saturday morning at half past 11, uh, 25 to 12. But anyway, uh, I digress completely. To that listener, it's called Beyond Limits and you can get tickets from eventbrite.ie and it's on in Crow Park. And if there is anyone from Cork going on a Saturday, 
love to meet up with you love to see you there come over and approach me uh, I only discovered the other day at the volunteer awards that somebody felt it was it was the wrong thing to do to come over and approach me listen when I'm out like that on any kind of an event love love to chat and hear from uh, listeners so never feel never feel that I'm not approachable uh, please come over so if you're going to that event in Crow Park on Saturday and you see me there please come over and uh, say hi 1850 Bernie's taking your calls text WhatsApp 0862 103 103 we were talking about the effect of road closures and road works and the effect that it has on businesses and we heard the call that there should be some kind of a break given to businesses even though the executive of the council is saying they can't, they won't, they need the money, they need the income, uh, particularly when the call came to have a freeze on rates if there's major works going on in a town. Uh, but Derry has a business in Cove, but he said, unfortunately, Cove is an island. The businesses there are just about hanging on. They get no break on commercial rates from the council and the parking in the town of Cove, says Derry, has always been a problem. Digging up the centre of the town will kill businesses. Derry ended up moving his business to Middleton and to Cork because he literally couldn't function in the town of Cove. Thank you for that, uh, Derry. Patricia Bantier, this is on homelessness, I suppose. She says there are two small houses in Bantier. They're near the graveyard. People living locally may know the houses we're talking about. She says they're council houses. And according to Patricia, they've been vacant for over a year. It's so sad, she said, with so many people homeless. Why are they being left uh, idle? And Bantir, such a lovely, vibrant town. Um, town, village, would you call Bantir? But I'm sure people would love to live in Bantir. Anybody know why? Two small houses, council houses near the graveyard. Why have they been vacant for over a year? Because there has been a big push. Voids is what the council calls it. And I know there was an article on the paper where they were going through how quick councils were turning over the voids and getting them out. I know Cork City had been particularly bad with, with some particular houses. There were weeks and weeks and weeks, months. I think it ran into nearly a year before a house was, was turned around. But I couldn't find in the piece I was looking at this morning I couldn't find Cork County Council, which to me was saying that's great. Cork County Council are getting really good about their voids because they have been. Because I know in the past we would have spoken a lot about empty council houses and how long they were empty for and neighbours were giving out because nobody likes to live next to an empty house or a boarded up house because there's a tendency to attract antisocial behaviour. So for the, com- for the community and the residents living, if it is in a little estate, it's better if all the houses are rented out. I don't know if anybody has an explanation as to why those two houses in Bantir have been lying idle, Patricia reckons, for over a year at this stage. 1850 We mentioned the Brendan Grace programme earlier and mixed reaction from people. Not everybody happy with the third and par- final part of that series. But Jared has been on to say, now that the Brendan Grace show is finished, I've got a recommendation for a programme for people to watch on the TV. Go on, Jared. I highly recommend, he said, Dublin Murders. It starts tonight on RTE1. Good cast, including Tom Vaughan Lawler and good engaging storyline. Some people might have watched it on BBC One over the last two nights, but for those who didn't, it's well worth watching. It's on RTE tonight, says uh, Jared. And I'm sure, because I looked up, this is a programme I want to watch. I'm sure it runs over eight eight episodes isn't it uh, I actually saw the trailer for it it must be a BBC RTE collaboration the fact that they're both showing it at the same time I saw a trailer for it uh, 
on RTE obviously I was saying almost watch that on uh, Wednesday night and lo and behold on Monday I was watching something and I flicked over and he was double murders and I said I didn't think I was and it was halfway through the first episode so I didn't think that was on until Wednesday then I realised it was BBC uh, was showing it so I am looking forward to seeing that so if you're looking for a good series to watch it comes highly recommended from Gerard thank you for that and I love when people pass on recommendations it's always great to share them with others Dublin Murders if you've been watching it on BBC which I'm, which I'm assuming Gerard has been with you a good recommendation for uh, tonight I can see some questions coming in for Peter keep those coming Peter Dowdle will join us after half past 12 uh, today so you could call Bernie if you have a gardening question 1850 333103 but people are texting them in which is great 086 2103103 and a plug please sorry for the short notice says a texture there will be a clothes collection for the Simon community at the parish centre in Clonakilty the former school of Michael Collins the collection will be held from half past nine on Sunday morning until half past twelve that's this coming Sunday the 20th the organisers would welcome sleeping bags duvets blankets new please new underwear socks hats scarves gloves and toiletries and thank you for uh, Philip sending that in on behalf of Mary Finn and her wonderful team and this is the time of year I mean this morning definitely it was chilly this morning and it was kind of the first real morning I walked out to the car going oh winter is winter is certainly starting to set in but it's been wet and miserable we've certainly had a lot of rain and think of people who are homeless think of people that are out in all kinds of conditions but the Simon community and the incredible work that they do both with the people that they take into their emergency shelter but also then when they don't have beds for everybody in the inn the Simon community will be out every night of the week making sure that those that are on the streets that they have blankets or that they have duvets or they have warm sleeping bags and trying to keep them as dry and warm as possible and of course when you're living on the streets you constantly need to have fresh change of clothes and underwear socks and hats, scarves and gloves anything that you could think about if you're out in the elements what would you need to keep yourself warm so well done to Mary Finn and her team who are doing that collection in Clonakilty so the good people of West Cork you've got the opportunity to help out Simon next Sunday morning at the Parish Centre in Clonakilty we wish everybody luck with that uh, collection the Cantorgardie have been on. They are appealing for witnesses in relation to a fire that happened yesterday. Yesterday, yeah, it was last night. I was going to say the small hour of the morning. Was it the small hours of the morning? But it wasn't. It was actually at about uh, nine o'clock last night because I saw video footage. Somebody actually filmed the fire. I saw it on video on social media this morning. It was a fire that occurred outside a barber shop on O'Brien Street in Canturk. It was shortly before nine o'clock last night. Gardy received a report of a silver car that was on fire. Now flames from the car then spread to the front of the barber shop on O'Brien Street. A man wearing a grey tracksuit bottoms and a grey top was seen running from the scene. Obviously, that particular man is of interest to the Gardaí. No arrests have been made, but the investigation is ongoing and the scene is currently being preserved for a technical examination. Gardaí are appealing to anyone who was in the O'Brien Street and Green Anne area and who may have seen the incident are drivers who may have dash cam footage. Dash cam footage now is 
proving to be absolutely fantastic. You're, at, you're asked please to contact Cantor Garda Station on 029 206 So if you're in that area and you have dash cam footage, just go back over the dash cam footage. There might be something in it that you hadn't noticed yourself but that the camera had actually picked it up. But if you're in the general area and you can help out the Garda or if anyone can identify who that man wearing the grey Traxi Bottoms great top scene running from the scene if you can contact Cantor Garda Station please the Garda Confidential Line is also available at 1-800-666-111 that's 1-800-666-111 C103 Jobs Experienced labourers are wanted to help tradespeople on a new housing development that's in Kinsale Kitchen assistant is wanted for Aradlin House Nursing Home, that's in Boherbui, while a healthcare assistant is wanted for full and part-time roles, roles at Breed Haven Nursing Home in Mallow, and a general labourer is wanted for window and door glass and glazing company. Full training will be provided. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Now, the number of adults seeking information about an attention-deficient hyperactivity disorder diagnosis has more than doubled in the last two years. That's according to one of this country's main support organisations. Joining me with more details, ADHD Ireland CEO, and that's... When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ken Kilbride. Good morning to you, Ken. Good morning, Patricia. How are you? Uh, I'm very well and you're welcome to the programme. I suppose start firstly by reminding listeners what is ADHD? So ADHD is a neurobiological condition. So basically you're born with it, you'll die with it. Um, the letters stand for Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. So within that, there's two main elements. There's the attention deficit. Uh, so that's the inability to maintain focus. So people with that, you know, they will forget things in their daily lives, you know, um, start off doing one thing, find out three hours later doing something else and forgot to do the thing they started off with. 
One of the other key behaviours is what's called impulsivity, and that relates to what we call executive function. Um, and that can be very difficult or lack of in a person with ADHD. So impulsivity is where you think of something and you'd say it or you go to do something. Um, with the rest of it, the executive function says, maybe that's not a great idea. With someone with ADHD, you know, what they say is um, Ferrari brain, bicycle brakes. Um, so they go and... <laughs> it's a good description. Yeah. Um, and then the other side, the last behaviour is hyperactivity, and that's being driven on them like by a motor all day long. How common is it? So it's common. Um, it's about five percent of the population, which well, is one in twenty. That's high. Yeah, but if you take if you just take Cork as as a county, you know, there's about five hundred and forty two thousand, five hundred forty three thousand people. So that'll give you twenty eight thousand people in Cork, um, twenty one thousand adults, about seven thousand children. So there's a lot of people out there, you know, listening to the station today. Um, who have it um, will have the assessment, but most of them won't is the thing. How is it diagnosed? Um, so usually what you do is if you think you've ADHD, um, and what we say is, you know, um, we all forget our keys, we all forget to do things, but it's when it becomes an impairment and a difficulty in your life, then it becomes ADHD. Um, so at that point, you know, usually what happens is, you know, a very common one is, um, particularly in schools, you know, the child may be hi- very hyperactive in class and the teacher knows that, you know, the there's a, a change in this child compared to everyone else in the class. So 8 to 12 is the prime age for getting a diagnosis. So what happens is you get referred to your GP um, and they refer you on to CAMS, which is the uh, Child and Adolescent Mental Health Service with the HSE. Um, or either that you get a private diagnosis. Um, adults, it's much the same route, except there isn't any services with the HSE currently. So basically all adults at the moment, if they're looking to get an assessment, need to go get a private one. When you talk about CAMS for, for the children, for the younger people, uh, Ken, we've, I do so many interviews about yep, ca- CAMS yep. and waiting lists. I, I take it there's a waiting list, is there, to get the assessment? We go around the country all the time trying to create awareness and you know, get out information about what is ADHD, what it isn't. Um, and the first question we ask at every presentation we do is, how long is the waiting list here for CAMS? Um, the, most, the real answer we generally get is a year and a half to two years. Um, and that's... <sighs> You know, when a child, particularly a child, you know, that's two school years. Missed. Missed. And could be helped and supported, and they're not getting it. And the frustration, I'm thinking, on behalf of the families who know there's something wrong. Yeah. Probably already know in their heads it's ADHD. But until you get that diagnosis, the supports are not going to kick in. Oh, that's the problem. One of the other things about ADHD, it's um, very, very heritable. Um, so um, about 90% heritable. Um so what that means generally is that if you have a child with ADHD, now it's not statistically certain, but it's more than likely one of the parents also has ADHD. Um, and because they're an adult means they're probably undiagnosed. Yeah, I see, that's what I, when, when I was thinking about you coming on the programme today and I was, doing, I was doing a bit of research on it uh, yesterday evening, uh, that struck me and I was wondering on the adults that do come forward, do they have a child that's been diagnosed and then they start to realise, I'm the very same. Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah. Um, as I say, you know, we now get as many calls as we do from adults looking for a diagnosis as we do get from parents looking for children. But within that, one of the most common calls we get is, my child has just been diagnosed. Um, I have the same behaviour, same symptoms. I think I too might have ADHD. Um, so again, it is, we always say you get two for the price of one when you diagnose the child. <laughs> And undiagnosed, how is a life affected? I mean, the adults that are coming forward saying, I think I have it, and then they get the diagnosis, do they talk about how their life has been affected by it? Oh, God, yeah, yeah. Um, in terms of statistics, um, when you go into adulthood and you don't have ADHD diagnosed, um, you know, higher rates of marital breakdown, higher rates of unemployment, 
um, higher rates of substance misuse, um, higher rates of um, uh, prison in the prison population. It's estimated 25% of the prison population would meet the criteria for an ADHD diagnosis. What, um, what percentage? 25%. And that's international studies. Well, undiagnosed? Undiagnosed. What happens there is the impulsivity. Um, and because of the impulsivity, um, they generally get into, you know, if you want to call it the wrong crowd. Yeah. Um, and with the impulsivity, they start doing things and that one, one thing leads to another. Um, and particularly in, in adolescence, when you have um, ADHD, um, puberty and all those hormones going on at the same time, um, it's a, it can be a dangerous mix. Um, you know, if you want, if you take it to an even more extreme um, scenario, um, ADHD is well known as a direct risk factor for suicide. And, you know, statistics from the UK would show that one in five people with ADHD will attempt suicide. Oh, my God, that's um, so And sad. then there's the psychiatric things to go with as well, because, you know, people are wondering, I have the condition, I'm not fitting in. And the biggest difficulty with it is, it's not the condition itself, it's the stigma and the socialisation, or social isolation that comes with it. Um, so, again, people, they end up with depression, um, anxiety. And what happens is they go to the GP, um, and that's what the GP sees. Um, and for 20 years, they get um, depression medication or anxiety medication. And after some light bulb moment, you know, like the child getting diagnosed, and they say, oh, maybe there's something else here. Somebody is asking, is it on the autism spectrum? Yes and no. Um, if I can be just, um, in, at the moment, it's not in terms of the, the, where the current scientific research is. Um, but there is some new research being done out there, and it'll take five, ten years to, um, to show the link. It may be seen that they're um, both on the different ends of the same spectrum, if you can put it that way. Yeah. They're not the same condition and they're not um, on the same line, but different ends of the same line. So what you do find is, you know, with ADHD, ADHD rarely travels alone. Um, so at least 70% of people with ADHD will have one other condition. Um, and 40% of people probably would have um, Asperger's, which is um, on the ASD spectrum. Yeah, yeah. Um, dyslexia, dyspraxia, ODD, Tourette's very very common to go along with ADHD so. yeah so you'd have ADHD and something else and uh, something or else, something yeah. else and yeah. ADHD yeah, yeah. so once diagnosed Ken talk to me about treatment what, what is the current treatment path so in terms of getting those treatment paths you know once you can get into the, just say you, you got to your CAMS you waited your two years what happens then um, they, they do an assessment on you so what they're trying to do is they will try to find if the ADHD exists in two out of three environments so the clinician will fill out a form, the school will fill out a form, the parents will fill out a form. Um, and then they sort of look at those and they say, you know, it's existed out of two of those three environments. Um, in that situation, you scored, to say, eight or nine out of ten, you have ADHD. ADHD itself will exist on a spectrum, so you're looking at mild, moderate or severe. So if it's moderate or severe, um, you're looking at a, what's called a multimodal treatment, which is a combination of medication and behavioural therapies. Now, we talked about CAMS there and getting into the CAMS service. Usually when you get in, it's good, but there can be a difficulty to get those additional services, those multimodal treatments. You had the behavioural therapies, the speech therapies, the language therapies. Um, it is reasonably easy for someone in the CAMS, you know, the lead there is usually a psychiatrist, to actually do a prescription for ADHD. Um, so you find an awful lot of people, particularly if you're moderate or severe, the frontline treatment will be medication. But there is the difficulty in getting those additional supports um, in terms of the behaviours and other things that you need to get the right treatment. But once you do get the right treatment, outcomes are great. But it isn't as simple as just popping a pill every morning. No, it's not. No, no. Yeah. The pills do help, let's be honest. Um, 
you know, we talk to people about medication and a lot of parents would say to us, you know, they don't want to put their children on medication. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, in talking to parents who have, you know, not, the, the majority would say to us, it's life-changing. Um, the the medication. The medication. Okay. Genuinely life-changing, like putting on glasses for the first time. Wow. And because it's tough on families, particularly yeah, if you've yeah. got a child who is at the severe end of the ADHD, Everyone is affected by it. Everyone, I mean, yeah. that, that, that's just what the poor child is going through, but the whole family suffers. No, again, as I say, the rates of break, the marital breakdown for families with ADHD is well above the national average for uh, those without. Um, ADHD is, is a marriage record and a relationship record. Um, and and you talk, what, are you talking that. about a child having it or one of the adults having it? Generally, one, one is having the child and then, as you were saying, it's more than likely one of the parents also has it who has it undiagnosed, who more than likely also has some other co- coexisting conditions as well. And when you throw that all into the mix and the, the, the lack of understanding and the socialist, there can be a lack of social acceptance. You know, we would always say, you know, children with ADHD don't get invited to the birthday parties, don't oh. get invited to the play days. Oh. Um, but again, then you have an adult as well, you know, who has that as well. And they're not fitting in with their social circle either. Yeah, so would they have difficulty making friends then? No, one of the things about ADHD is they're great at making friends, it's difficulty keeping the friends. Okay, yeah, because the friends can't understand... Yeah, you know, they can be very outcome, particularly with that impulsivity, you know, they, they will be go up and talk to someone, they will jump into a group, but that's the, the jumping into the group, they're not taking turns in conversation, you know, particularly, you know, when they're younger, things like that, and they get into the group, but then they're, I'm not saying ostracised, but they, they're quickly pushed to the side of the group. And... Okay, well, you've discussed the treatment for a child. Is it the very same treatment then for an adult who gets diagnosed? Generally the same, yeah, yeah. yeah. Same medication? Um, it is generally They're slightly different the way they prescribe them and, and do it. But yeah, you're looking at basically the same medication for adults as for children, yeah. But your message, Ken, is people with ADHD can and do lead very productive, productive lives. happy lives. Yeah. I know we've talked a bit about the challenges. But when you look at the other side, you know, the, the creativity that comes with ADHD, uh, because, you know, the, the brain moves very quickly from one item to another. Uh, it said, you know, people with ADHD have more ideas before breakfast than the rest of us have all day. <laughs> it's to tap into that and use yeah. that. And then yeah. because of the impulsivity that can go with it, you know, while the rest of us are thinking about setting a committee, the person with ADHD has gone and done it. That's brilliant. I mean, yeah, that with the hyperactivity, those type of characteristics can be very positive, you know. It's a, you know, it is called the uh, entrepreneurial gene. Yeah. Most people, you know, successful entrepreneurs probably have a bit of ADHD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A yeah. lot of people in the entertainment industry. It's hard to find a comedian out there these days who doesn't have ADHD. And I think we'll all know of people either in our own family circle or in our wider friendship group. We'll all know people. Oh, yes, absolutely. I say it's one in 20. Yeah. So if you know 20 people, you know one person with ADHD, at least. <laughs> I heard um, earlier the, the on another radio station, is there an app being developed? Yeah, so um, we're actually working with the uh, HSE Adult Services to develop an app. We got a small amount of funding there just uh, about a month ago. Great. Um, so again, this will be, you know, type of information, you know, if you're looking for it, it will be in your hand. Um, and what we'll try to do is get it dynamic, I, you know, when we have events coming up. So if you're looking for a support group around the country or in the Cork region, you'll click on it and you'll find it there. Okay, and uh, also just finally, and I should have started it when when I introduced you. You're with uh, ADHD Ireland. You've rebranded from Had. Yes, so um, we were formed in 1980. Um, Are you going that long? My goodness. Yes, yes. 
Um, so it would have been had. So what happened uh, back in the 80s was known as ADD is the condition. Yeah. Um, it was only the H was put in in the mid-80s for the hyperactivity. Right. Um, so Ireland decided to be proactive um, and go ahead of the rest of the world, and we went H-A-D-D. Uh, the rest of the world went ADHD. Okay. Um, but unfortunately, the rest of the world hasn't changed. Okay. Um, so we had to change it from Had Ireland to ADHD Ireland, because just as, as it says, does we do what we say on the tin. Yeah. And you have a fab, you have a fantastic website. That's a great resource. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that yeah. was one of the big things we put together as part of doing the launch was get that new website open out there, which is adhdireland.ie. Okay. Listen, uh, pleasure talking to you, Ken. Thank you for that. Thanks very much. And thanks for, for joining us. Uh, good morning to you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That is uh, Ken Kilbride, CEO of ADHD Ireland, as I say. Fabulous website. If you want to find out more about ADHD or if you think, having listened to Ken speak that you could be one of those adults with undiagnosed uh, ADHD. I mean, when you think about it, when we were, certainly when I was growing up and going to school in the uh, in the 70s, thinking back, absolutely there was girls in my class. I went to an all-girls school. There was girls in my class who you definitely would think, yeah, they were very hyperactive. And of course it was put down to, and they were just being bold. I mean, I also clearly remember a girl who was Build as a dunce. She had a huge issue around reading and writing. I now realise that poor girl was dyslexic. I'm sure she possibly left school not able to read or write. But she was definitely dyslexic. But of course, dyslexia wasn't heard of. Dyscalculia wasn't heard of. And certainly ADHD wasn't heard of or wasn't spoken of. So, so many people battled through all of their school days, have gone on into adulthood and never got a diagnosis. And that was the one thing when I was looking up ADHD for adults uh, yesterday. I thought that if you just got a diagnosis, it'd be Asher, I always knew that and go away off at you and, you know, live your life the way you've always lived it. There, There isn't. There is very clear help available. There's medication available that seems to, you know, it's like a light bulb moment uh, for people when they take it. So if you do think you fall into that bracket or you're living with somebody who you think has ADHD and you can have it very mild right up to very moderate and I'm assuming the people misdiagnosed or not diagnosed are in sort of the moderate go and get the help because help is available and if you want to find out more I would I would direct you to their website adhdireland.ie 1850 Bernie's taking your calls keep your gardening questions coming in to us please for Peter to 0862 103 You're listening to Cork Today on replay phone and text lines are currently closed Cork today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103 And today on our bi-monthly Awalia series, the Free Mortgage Arrears Service, we discuss repossessions and what you need to do when you're facing such a situation. Joining me, Alan McGee of Alan McGee and Company Solicitors. Good morning to you, Alan. Good morning. Good sir. to have you back on the programme. Repossessions, are they on the increase? Well, they're maintaining the same levels. They're not on a decrease. Um, I'm actually talking today from the courthouse in Cork, where I was here this morning for the reposition list. And there were first 59 cases on the list this week for repossessions. And there was 58 last week. So you'll see from those numbers that the repossessions are continuing uh, pace at the moment. And they, are they from all of the various banks and vulture funds? Yeah, I did a breakdown of analysis of the figures there and all the banks, Ulster Bank, AIB, Bank of Ireland, EBS, TSB, of all the cases, but the vulture funds have the majority of those cases. 
they had 36 out of the 117. So they're wow. by far the biggest number, and it's likely that those figures will continue to rise with the recent loan sales. And this is the big danger, isn't it? And this is what puts the fear of God into people, Adam, when they hear that their loan has been sold to a vulture fund. And they're not told in advance. They just get a letter? They just get a letter. Um, Like, this year alone, AIB has sold over a billion in debt in April. Uh, In August, Bank of Ireland sold uh, a a non-performing loan book to a vulture fund. In September, TSB sold... 274 million worth of home mortgage home mortgage loans to start mortgages and in, in October Ulster Bank sold uh, 800 million worth of uh, home loans and buy to let properties 89% of that was home loans to uh, to Pepper so the banks are offloading all of these to the vulture funds and it, but it's it important it's but it's important to point out Alan if your mortgage is sold to a vulture fund. That doesn't mean that your house is 100% going to be repossessed. Well, it doesn't mean that. You still have protections under the mortgage arrears resolution process, the March uh, process. But what people should do is that they should take advice from MABS or from an insolvency practitioner because in a lot of cases, the insolvency practitioner will be able to get proposals through. And the vulture funds are working with PIPs? To a certain extent. To a certain extent extent they are, and in some cases they're not. And where they're not, as we spoke previously, the appeal system is there that can impose a solution on the vulture funds and on the other banks as well, for that matter. And protective certificates? Protective certificates are continuing apace. Uh, okay. Last week in Cork, there was over 50 protective certificates issued alone. And that uh, and there are people who were in danger of repossession. I had a number of them myself where the sheriff was coming and we got, uh, we got a protective certificate and that stopped a repossession. And we have agreed... Uh, ways that they can keep their home either through restructuring the mortgage or through mortgage to rent. So it's it's imperative nowadays where the rental market is impossible that yeah. if somebody has a property to try hold it. Is it. But is it a very long road, Alan, before you get to the stage of repossession? It is. It, a repossession can take uh, a year or two to get an order against you. Okay. Okay. But if you stick your head in the sand, yeah. it can be done a lot quicker. But uh, invariably, if you go into the repossession court and say that you're engaged with MABS or you're engaged with an insanity practitioner, you'll get the time and space required to put forward a proposal. Yeah, and and all repossessions are all ordered by the courts, isn't it? It's always done. So the, yeah. it's always done. Does the owner need to be in the court when it happens? Uh. Ideally, the person will show up, or they'll have uh, they'll have legal representation. But invariably, if they if they are uh, destitute and don't have the money to pay for legal representation, that they would show up themselves. And MABS are, would be in court with a system with a duty solicitor that's paid for by MABS on the day. Dreadful situation to find yourself in. And how much time are you given then to vacate? Depends on what the order would be. Invariably, the courts might make a six or twelve month stay on a repossession order to give to allow time to find alternative accommodation. 
But even at that stage, it's not too late. And you'll have seen yeah. that from a recent high publicity case in Dublin where there was an order for possession. And the court uh, allowed the repossession to be stopped pending the outcome of an insolvency arrangement. Is that the Pamela Fludge, Paul Ryan is, case? Yeah, 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 that, is, yeah. That, that got a lot of publicity. But the whole thing is, uh, Alan, and the message we constantly try to get across in, in this uh, slot, contact Awalia before you ever get to the stage where you're facing a repossession. Oh, absolutely, because once you get, once you get the advice and I had a couple of them with me yesterday, and they're uh, they're mired in this for seven or eight years. And once they heard the options that are available to them, there's a huge sense of relief that look, there it's not all doom and gloom that there are solutions. And the option that I was offered to the people yesterday was a mortgage to rent, but they would keep their home. They would get rid of the rest of their indebtedness, their unsecured debts that they can't afford, and they can actually live without the fear of ending up on the roadside. And that is that going to bed at night and it's just head-wrecking. I I just don't know how people uh, go through it. And unfortunately, we know... uh, uh, some people take their lives they just can't cope with it and nobody wants that and you know and no debt or house is, wor- is worth that but there are there are so many solutions out there there are and it's a what we're trying to do with this campaign is to get to people and to explain to them and make them aware of this and those solutions through the Awalia scheme gives these people the opportunity to get professional advice at no cost to them so okay. there's no reason and we, and, we, and we have some examples just to, to, to prove that, the, you know, there are solutions. Tell me yeah, like, about the restaurateurs from Ennis. This is an example. This is the, they were a restaurateur in the country and they traded through the recession and they barely kept themselves afloat, but they kept the restaurant open mm-hmm. and they got through the recession and they were p- making payments again back on their mortgage and the vulture fund saw only wanted their home sold, wouldn't accept anything else. The insolvency practitioner, uh, uh, a solution whereby the mortgage would be written down from 490,000 to home at 290 and extend the term to make it sustainable. The Vulture Fund voted against it. And in Ennis Court last Friday, or on the 4th of October, the judge held with the debtors and said no, that these people were doing their best, they were paying what was affordable and what the uh, fund were going to get back was better than what they would do in bankruptcy and he held for the debtors. Well now done. Now their three kids have a home. Well done. well done. Is there great excitement in court when something like that happens? There's, no. great, there, there's a sense of achievement when Is... you turn around to the people and you say, look, your home is... Wow. There and it's now affordable. You can get on with life without the fear of the letters coming through the door. And then what often happens is marital breakdown and there's a home in the middle and where, where once there was two incomes paying off a mortgage, suddenly there's 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 not. Tell me about the separated man in Waterford. This is a case again where I acted in which uh, a separated man in Waterford, PIA was rejected by editors and it was rejected by the circuit court in Kilkenny. And uh, in this instance, he, uh, his wife, our ex-wife, mortgage, and wasn't cooperating. We appealed it to the High Court, and the High Court was satisfied that was bringing his full means to bear to pay it. And the mortgage, we again wrote down the mortgage 
from 267,000 that was unaffordable down to the value of the house of 120,000 and the rest of his unsecured debts were written off. So now he has enough in a mortgage and live and his home is there and he sees his kids then he has somewhere for his kids to stay when they come on access visits. And he's able to live. I mean that's the, you know, paying every single red cent that you have to pay off a mortgage and you're not living. There's not much point in that. And then once an arrangement is put in place what happens if circumstances changes? That that's the 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 beauty of the act is that it is it's a live process and it it can adapt with people's changing circumstances and it's for a variation where there is a material change in circumstances and I've had several cases where in arrangements they've had and I've had them approved change in circumstances and we change for example a recent case that this year where uh, a young man uh, went into an arrangement for unsecured debt and his, he's got his girlfriend's now had a baby to a household with a child so his income is insufficient to pay what he was to pay over five years and he's got support from family for uh, a small lump sum to be paid in arrangement will end immediately. So that can be done. There's another example where I have a married couple. They're four years into a five-year arrangement and they're after having uh, another baby. Again, the household income and their change in rental circumstances to accommodate the extra members of the family left no further monies available. So they only had six months left to go under arrangement, so we're terminating that early based on the monies paid in to date. Great. So there is there is flexibility uh, within it uh, yeah. as well, and we all know how much a, a newborn baby can cost. All right, um, uh, Alan, your mind of information as always. We redru- we direct people to uh, Awalia. You can call o seven six one zero seven. Just make that it's making that initial call I think isn't it Alan sometimes can be the hardest part part. First step somebody will take you under their wing and look after you And help is available no matter where you are across the city and county Um, Alan thank you for that and thanks for joining us no problem. Take care. Good morning to you. That is uh, Alan McGee of Alan McGee and Company Solicitors and he is a personal insolvency practitioner. There's somebody looking for the Awalia phone number again. Only too glad to give it to you. It is 0761072000. And if you ring that number, they'll put you in contact with your local MABS service in a Walia service. It's run by uh, MABS. That's the National Helpline but they'll put you in in contact with who's your nearest uh, Walia service where you'll be able to go and get free face-to-face financial and legal advice under the Walia service but that's the important one. It is free face-to-face financial and legal advice and if you are in mortgage arrears or fear you're at risk of losing your home then we suggest contact Awalia, get in there already, get it, get all of the advice because every single week that we do this slot we keep hearing time and time again of the various solutions and how often have we heard some of the pips, the personal insolvency practitioners say they have never not been able to find a solution so there could be a solution, there will be a solution for you. 07 
1850 Our number is 1850 We welcome you gardening questions for Peter Dowdle who's going to join us after half past 12. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103103. Keep your gardening questions coming in for Peter, please. He'll join us after half past 12, 1850 And there's uh, some coming in by text as well. Thank you for those. 086 103103. Still getting in calls for people saying how disappointed they were with the third and final episode. Or could you call it the episode? I suppose you would. In the Brendan Grace show that was on for the last three weeks. People really enjoyed the first two. So many people were looking forward to the last one last night but the majority that we're hearing from I have to say were disappointed with it they felt it wasn't as good as the first two shows uh, so we're getting recommendations then of other shows that we sh- we should watch and a good one for tonight is this new programme that's starting on RTE1 called Dublin Murders it's already started on the BBC RTE now are catching up with it it's, it's on tonight I think it's after, on after the news at nine, 9 o'clock news I suppose about half past nine but that then led to Sandy saying Patricia, what did you think of the dating programme Pulling With My Parents? It was repeated last night and while I thought it was entertaining I thought it showed the value of home, good old-fashioned parental advice and uh, I also thought it showed the art of conversation and how we need the art of conversation says Sandy. It was on Monday nights yeah, and and it was repeated uh, yesterday. I um I, I enjoyed it, I have to say. It was cringy though on so many levels. You know when you're watching a programme and you're absolutely going, Oh god, you're just really cringing for the person. So it is definitely parts of it was very uh, cringy. But what pulling with the parents really shows is how weird and warped modern dating can be. Looking at the programme, you kind of I thought to myself, I'd hate to be back out on the dating scene again and how any young adult meets another young adult with some of the stuff we were hearing and seeing on Monday night. So it was great to see the parents getting getting involved and Shamami always knows what's best, especially for the son, don't they? Now, if the relationships are going to last, I don't know. But from an entertainment point of view, I enjoyed it. I certainly enjoyed the uh, the programme. I don't know how many episodes are in it, but it was on on Monday night and then I didn't realise it was reshown. The next it was on Monday night and it was last night was Tuesday it was reshown again on Tuesdays <laughs> they'll, they'll milk it to the very last it'll be interesting when the TAM ratings come out how it actually does but I certainly yeah a bit cringy I, I did find it cringy but enjoying and I, from an enjoyment point of view I, I enjoyed it and I think you're right uh, it, do, it, do, it does show if kids listen to the parents good old fashioned parental advice but conversations as well keep the conversations you know talk to people put the phones down and actually engage in a conversation and actually staying on television programmes and keeping the phones down. There's another programme that I'm really enjoying on Sunday night and it's the one about It Takes a Village to Raise a Child where children are coming from very urban areas and they're going into rural areas and they're kids that have been playing up, you know, tr- not, I would say quite say troublesome kids, but kids that gone a little bit off the rails or about to go fully off the rails so let's rein them back in before they go fully off the rails and then they go and live all of the cases so far they've gone to live with families in the countryside it's been on for the last two Sundays the change in those children 
young teenagers has been just incredible. And last week there was one of the girls almost, well, they, were, they all seemed to have an addiction to their phones. But, you know, the rule was we take the phone off you. And the difference in that young girl, that young teenage girl, and definitely a lot of it was down to the mobile phone being taken away away from her. You know, I think we're all starting to wake up and realise the effect that all of this social media is having on our young people and having on the way they're interacting with others. And, you know, that pulling with the parents show that because the way these were into young adults were pulling with the parents, they're in their 20s and th- coming, heading up to their 30s. They, the way they interact with each other online, face to face, you surely they wouldn't be, you know, if they met a girl or a girl met a guy, they wouldn't be saying some of the stuff they were saying. But because it's, you're just typing it in onto a website, you know, you, you feel you can be more brazen and you can say things that you certainly, I feel that you wouldn't say face to face. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just completely out of the loop. But it does, it certainly shows that dating is difficult. And we would hear that all the time from some of our listeners who, particularly when they get into, once they get over 30, finding it almost impossible, where do you go to meet anyone? anyone? And people then have to go to the dating apps. But if that's the way the dating apps are operating, I can still see where people are coming to us saying, try the dating apps didn't work uh, for me. But yeah, but there's a couple of those good reality shows that are on at the moment that I am quite enjoying. And it's kind of, it's a real sign that it's sort of the winter months are in when we're snuggling down to watch all of our TV programmes. Uh, 1850 Let me check and see that I've gone through all of our um, comments so far. Um... And they're all questions coming in for Peter. Good. Keep them coming, please. Now, I want to do, this is a piece I spotted in the paper today. You know the way we're always talking about insurance and insurance scams and how it isn't a victimless crime if somebody exaggerates a claim or if somebody sets up an accident and they end up getting money out of it all of us end up paying for it. It's you and I because our insurance premiums constantly rising, particularly our car insurance and the industry say the car insurance is rising all the time and it's to do with the claims. Well, you'd be delighted to hear this. Three generations, three generations of the same family were arrested in dawn raids yesterday by detectives who are investigating organised bogus insurance claims that they reckon could have yielded this gang more than one million euro. The five suspects, three men, Aged in their late teens to their mid-40s and the two women are both, one is in their mid-40s, one is in their late-60s. They were all arrested yesterday. It was detectives from the Garda National Economic Crime Bureau and they made the arrest. It was in the Lucan area of Dublin and it's part of Operation Goatee. It's a new operation on me. Operation Thor is the one we all seem to talk about, but Operation Goatee. The family based, or they're, they're a family based organised crime gang. They're suspected of making up to 60 fraudulent claims against local authorities in Dublin and Kildare over the last number of years, and it's netted them massive sums of money, and it could actually have gone over 1 million euro. The fraudulent claims have mostly been for fake slips trips and falls and in many cases they were even using false names when making these claims. This is just ridiculous. In a lot of the incidents the claims no surprise to read this were settled out of court and that's what's happening and that's what's so 
frustrating for businesses when they genuinely know that somebody is either exaggerating the injuries or they set up the injuries and they want to fight it and the companies say, no, not worth going all the way to the High Court or to the Circuit Court. We'll settle out of court. It really, really is frustrating. But anyway, back to this lovely family. Some were settled out of court, but others actually went to court. Some went to the circuit court, some went to the uh, high uh, court. The eldest suspect, this is the woman in her 60s. Now, I don't know if this is the mama of all of them or not. She has a previous conviction for making a bogus personal injury claim. Wouldn't you think you'd be, if you were caught once, you'd never try it again? But obviously, she's uh, got a neck of steel. In that case, she attempted to pass herself off as another woman at a medical facility with the intention of making a gain for herself. Then in another case, she claimed she had slipped in a shop and then she sued under a bogus name. However, the claim was struck out uh, when it came before the civil court. Yesterday's arrest of the five family members is considered extremely significant by the Guard, the National Economic Crime Bureau. And they say it is a massive probe into this organised insurance scam. Gardaí say yesterday that arrests were a follow-up to a major search operation that was held in April when six high-end cars and jewellery valued at more than €300,000 were seized from the very same gang. God almighty. Why would you ever go out to work? Gardaí are hoping to prosecute those suspected of the insurance-related criminality. Many of the crimes that the family members have been investigated for have led to money already been paid out to them. But Gardaí say that won't stop them involved in investigating the fraudulent claims. So even if they got, even if the insurance companies decided to settle on the courts, on the steps of the court, or even if it went to court, if the Gardaí are still believing that these are fraudulent claims, they are still going to investigate them. But that's, but it's, it's one of those things and I don't know whether our law needs to change or what needs to happen. But when somebody goes into court and they've slipped, uh, you know, or they've tripped over a mat as they're heading into some poor shopkeeper's door and, oh, whiplash, oh, my neck, oh, this or that. Can it not be recognised that they've already had 10 separate accidents? I mean, you can't be that accident prone. I mean, to have had 60 cases against them in the last number of uh, years is just in incredible and these are just these are 60 of the suspected ones the ones they're investigating there probably is many many more and I know you know each case is done individually and you have to give everybody the the right to innocent proven guilty almost the reverse of that but I don't know I think we really because there's so much of this going on I mean, if you or I are end up in an accident, a genuine accident, and you go before the courts, I have no problem standing up and being interrogated about have I had previous cases. The only person who's going to have a problem about being interrogated about did they have previous cases are families like this who will have to stand there and went, well, last year I was in for, I twisted my ankle. Uh, two months before that, I sprained my wrist. Before that, I had whiplash. Before that, I had whiplash. And then straight away, alarm bells should start to ring. We are going to follow this case very, very closely. And uh, if I come across anything on it, I certainly will bring it to you. But well done to everybody involved in the Guard, the National Economic Crime Bureau. Long may they continue with these investigations and money needs to be pumped into those sections of the Guardi to make this type of crime end. Because as I say, it's not victimless. Now people say it's only the insurance company paying out. The very fact that the insurance companies are paying out, that means you and I 
all of us. Every single one of us that will take out any kind of insurance this year, be it your car insurance that you have to have, be it your house insurance, that by law you don't have to have it, but I'm always saying to people, make sure you have your house insurance, health insurance, no matter what insurance we're paying out, we are paying a portion of that money, that more than one million euro that that family three generations of one family have uh, netted uh, and, and they're not they're not uh, the only case there's many many more of them so long long may the Gardaí continue to do their investigative work and long may they bring these guys to justice 1850 and breathe that's my rant over Another issue that came up yesterday just by way of a follow up to it the Surrey spl- Sur- Slurry all the S's together slurry spreading season it ends I'm open to correction but I think it's today is today the last day or was yesterday the last day for spreading slurry and farmers now will not be able to organic slurry will not be able to go back out and spread again until January we were talking about it yesterday because the weather was so atrocious and has been over the last few days and it would make it very difficult for any farmer to go out into the fields uh, to even attempt to spread slurry with the ground so wet well I saw I got a press release this morning from Michael Fitzmaurice he's a Dahl Deputy, he's a rural TD, he's from County Roscommon, so obviously he would have a lot of people in his, farmers in his area worried about this and uh, he said that it was disappointing the calls to date to extend the deadline for slurry spreading have so far been denied because I promised I'd, I would try to see if there was any news about the deadline being extended because we had farmers saying surely that extends the deadline. According to Morris Fitzsimon, that's, there's been no talk of extending the uh, deadline. The Department of Agriculture, he re- Morris Fitzsimon reckons is passing the book on to the Department of Housing because we heard that yesterday. The Department of Agriculture said it's the decision of the Department of Housing but he says both de- departments, he makes an interesting point, must recognise the seriousness of the situation and the need to get slurry out and farmers won't be able to make it through the closed season if they can't do it. Rain has been consistent since August past two months have seen double the amount of rainfall in some net air and stations when you compare it to uh, last year. Now the Department of Agriculture continues to cite the fact that research shows that nutrient loss is twice as likely during the closed periods as at any other time which will then have an adverse impact on water quality. But the point has been made that farmers know that they can't spread slurry and they haven't been able to spread it in the past two months. The slurry obviously if they went out and tried to spread it with the amount of rainfall and the ground absolutely sopping wet that the story would simply end up in rivers and streams and that's not what farmers want to happen. Now, there are indications that drier spells are expected next week. That obviously then will give farmers the opportunity to get slurry out and would tie them over until the middle of uh, January. So again, the call has gone out that an extension should be looked at. But as of now... I can uh, certainly not report any extension has been granted. 1850-333-103. Bernie is taking your calls. If you want to text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses. Supporting communities. Serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Bingo is on tonight. It's at half past eight and it's in the Idel Quinn Hall in Cantor. Turk with a jackpot of €1,700. O'Sullivan's Pharmacy and Bank Place in Mallow, they're holding a Cups Against Breast Cancer Coffee Morning. It's uh, happening this Friday from 10.30am until 1pm. All proceeds going 
to Breast Cancer Awareness, you're invited to please drop into O'Sullivan's Farm Pharmacy for a cuppa. Kinsale Men's Shed, they will host dietitian and nutritionist Neve O'Connor speaking on nutrition. That's on Friday morning at 11am. Admission is free and everyone very welcome to attend. The Glen Theatre and Bantier are presenting a one-act comedy, The Marriage Plan, with lots of music, song and crack. It's on Saturday night. It's in support of Billy O'Brien from Fremont, who's going to travel to Mombasa in Kenya. And that's with the Ray of Sunshine Foundation. And Baltimore's fundraising fish supper for the RNLI will be held on Sunday, the 27th of October, 7 o'clock at the Sailing Club in Baltimore, where you can sample the best of seafood cooked by chef extraordinaire Chris Hedges. Early booking advisable with uh, tickets available from Bush's Bar in Baltimore. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. And a listener from McCroom was on to say that she got a letter from ESB to say they're planning to install smart meters in her home. The lady is worried about harmful emissions from smart meters and wants to know, does anybody know if they are uh, dangerous? Um, I've read a lot of stuff online about them and I do think the theory behind the smart meters is fantastic but they're meant to emit a small amount of radiation. I just think when you look at the size of the smart meter how much radiation could they actually admit? Now I'll, I'll do a bit of research on it and I'll come back to you on what is the latest that I can discover on it and if needs be and if we have a lot of other people who are worried about it we might try and get an expert on to talk to us about smart meters and the reason why we should be converting to smart meters and what do we need to be worried about because sometimes there's a lot of scaremongering and when I first started hearing about smart meters and around the dangers of it, it appeared to me that it was scaremongering. You really have to be so careful when you're reading different articles online, cross-reference it and be careful where you're sourcing the information. I mean, don't please be relying on something like Facebook. So just be careful if you are reading stuff. And I, and I don't know if this lady has been looking up stuff online and that's what's making her nervous about it. So let me take a look at it. Let me see if I can spend some time over the next few days and see if I can come up with uh, what, what's the latest on smart meters. But smart meters have been used in homes in other countries very, very successfully. And I don't think anybody has become very sick because of them. But we'll, we'll see if we can do some research on it. And in the meantime, if anybody else is worried about them. And also, let's see if we can find out if you are concerned. If you don't want to have a smart meter installed, are you entitled to say no, I wonder? Or are they forced on you? I don't really know. Uh, we'll try and get that checked out for you as well. 1850-333-103. A farmer in West Cork says, Patricia, the ground is wet. So, they, so farmers will have to get an extension for the slurry spreading season. They got one last year, they did, when the ground was dry. So what is the problem this year? The tanks will overflow into the rivers if it's not spread. Yeah, because everybody talks about that, that this is this is really an environmental uh, issue and it will turn into a welfare issue on some farms as well. So something's going to have to be done about it. Thank you for that. And that obviously is a gentleman in the know. And my apologies to the good people of Canturk when I mentioned that the Adele Queen Hall in Canturk is the venue for tonight's bingo. I frightened some people because I got the jackpot wrong. I underestimated the jackpot. The jackpot is actually 5,000. 700 euros. So my apologies there if you're going along tonight. That's a big, big jackpot. 5,700 euro for Edel Quinn Hall in Canturk for the uh, bingo. 
And I've had an email in from Paddy Lane of the Cardiac Support Group in North Cork to say that they will be hosting a presentation entitled A Woman's Heart. It's on Thursday night the 24th of October so that's tomorrow week in the Forest Hall the square in Mitchellstown at 8 o'clock the Cardiac Support Group in North Cork uh, they have their I don't know how often they meet but they for this particular night their speakers are going to be Lisa Sheehan and Breda O'Sullivan and the topic is going to be A Woman's Heart and it's an account of their respective encounters with cardiac issues in the people who are in the group have experienced their own cardiac journey and they share it with others and they found that by sharing it with others it's extremely useful both to themselves and to others and they extend a welcome to all who would like to attend what is a free presentation tomorrow night week Forest Hall Square in Mitchellstown for a woman's heart if you are a family member have experienced a cardiac episode why not join, join them I'll tell you somebody WhatsApped me in Something obviously to mention that's happening in in Davies Bar. It's the caption on it. It's a ticket. It looks like it's a ticket or a poster for an event that's happening tomorrow, Friday, Friday of this week on the eighteenth of October. And it's mind your and it's it's E F F I N mind your F and wellness. I was like, what is this? And then I realised it's in Davies Bar in Effen. It's Arts Davies Bar in Effen is presenting it. It's a fundraiser for the Black Rock Effen Camogie and Effen G A A Lip Sync battle and they're holding this night out uh, with in the Cannon Hayes Memorial Hall in Effen on Friday night and the speakers, it's all to do with wellness but it's a very clever play on wor- words mind your, see when I say it it sounds like I'm cursing and I'm not but you know what I mean uh, and it's the wonderful Desi Fitzgerald is going to uh, speak uh, Joanne O'Callaghan will be doing of yoga with Joanne Olivia Fitzgerald is an expert in reflexology, Reiki and ear candling. And Pat Dillon is an energy therapy and wellness coach. So if you want to go along there, tickets are a tenor with the proceeds going to Black, it looks like it's Black, yeah, Black Rock, uh, FN Camogie and FNGAA Lip Sync Battle. Good luck to everybody involved there. And a reminder to you that tomorrow Thursday is International Credit Union Day and Mallow Credit Union are offering people of North Cork and West Limerick the opportunity to meet with the solicitor for free in either their Mallow branch or their Charleville branch. If you'd like to sit down with the solicitor and find out a little bit more about how to go about preparing a will or if you have a question with regards maybe to your own will. Um, people are often unsure of when to start, how to start it. So this is like a Q&A session. It isn't, the idea about this isn't that you go in and that the solicitor that you will meet tomorrow writes the will. No, the solicitor is going to be available in the Mallow branch and the Charleville branch of the Credit Union and they will offer you advice on how and what you need to do and what you need to think about when you're going to put your will together. There are a limited number of places available. You need to book a time slot. You can't just turn up and you can give the Mallow Credit Union branch a call if you want to book a slot at 022 21121. That's 022 21121. Or you can email info at mallowcu.ie and that's all to celebrate International Credit Union Day 
tomorrow. Or today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 2103 103. And Peter Dowdell of the uh joins me on The Sun is Shining. It's always great to have Peter on when the sun is uh, shining. It gets people in the mood to getting out in the garden. Uh, good afternoon to you, Peter. Good afternoon, Trish. How are you? Have you th- I'm very well. Have you sunshine where you are? I have glorious sunshine. Yeah. It's a beautiful, beautiful morning. Now, yesterday was a beautiful morning too, but it's disintegrated after after lunch. So hopefully today will stay good. Yeah, and I think tomorrow is we're, we're back to more wet weather. But then the forecast for next week seemingly is quite good. good. And we good. are inundated with questions for you. So let's get straight uh, into them. Marion Skibbereen wants to know, when can she divide her dahlias? They're still in bloom at the moment. She doesn't usually lift them for the winter, but she's wondering, should she do it this year? She also has hostas that are getting very big. Can she divide them? The hostas, I'd say you could do now, no problem. Absolutely. I don't know whether they're still in leaf or not for her, but if they are, you may as well wait till the leaves die down and do it. But if you wanted to do it sooner, you could. You won't harm them. Um, the dahlias, I'd certainly leave well alone for a while. I'd enjoy them, enjoy the blooms for now. Uh, and when they do, they, they probably won't die back until we start getting really frosty weather, which hopefully will be a while off yet. Um, but it's when the, the, the frost has damaged the foliage, that's when you'd lift them. Uh, as to whether you should take them out for the winter in general or not, the textbook answer again will say yes. Uh, I don't. <laughs> on the wrist to <laughs> but me, it, it comes up every year with the daffodils as well, uh, to lift it or does. not to lift. And, I, and yeah. lots of people never lift them and they just keep coming back year after year. That's it. And daffodils will be particularly forgiving except that they'll go blind after a few years they get too crowded. But, but tulips and other bulbs I would certainly would be lifting. But of course you'll be planting them at this time of year. But with the dahlias I would say if you leave them in the ground over winter, particularly the more modern varieties, the single varieties and, and, and the, the bishops, if you like, there's, there's a range called the Bishop of Clandaft, Bishop of York and many more. Um, if, if you leave them in the ground and if we get a particularly wet or a particularly cold winter, you do risk losing them. Certainly mm. you do risk losing them. So do with that information what you will. The, the, the correct advice would be to lift them, yes. Okay. Uh, Jane in Mallow has, is it sedum? SEDUM seedum plants. Yeah. Uh, now, she said it's, a, it's supposed to attract butterflies, but the foliage on it looks like it's been burnt. Should it be planted in a more sheltered place? No, the sedum is a genus of which there are hundreds, if not thousands, of species. So I'm not sure exactly which one she's talking about, but I imagine she's talking about one called, uh, it's called sedum spectabile, which is what we also call the ice plant. It's in full flower, kind of from August right up into now, October time. And it is great for attracting the butterflies when it's in flower. But without seeing the foliage, I can't say why it's getting burnt because, like, no, the, the answer to the question is it shouldn't be suffering from sun scorch. So if it is sedum spectabile we're talking about, uh, which, as I say, I suspect it is, that should thrive in full sun. It shouldn't It shouldn't be getting burnt. So I'm wondering what's causing the burning. If she wants to send a picture into you in the radio station or send it into me on Facebook, The Irish Gardener, I'd have a look at it and try and advise, but it, it's possibly, in fact, a fungal problem which might be caused by the soil being a bit too wet or poorly drained. I would say that's probably more likely than too much sun. Okay, and Patricia in has that endless problem. Rabbits in her garden, they're eating everything. How can she keep them out? I mean, we go through loads of different suggestions. <laughs> Nothing seems to work. If a rabbit wants to get into your garden and attack, they'll get in. That's pretty much the size of us, yes. Unfortunately, like let's quickly run through the suggestions again. I mean, the most effective way of all of dealing with rabbits, but it's not always practical, is fencing. But you don't just put up a fence over the ground because they laugh at it and, and burrow under it. Uh, you need to you need to go with like a chicken wire or a rabbit wire fence 
two feet under the ground and then curl it back in itself so that the rabbit, even if he does burrow in, he gets confused because he keeps hitting wire. Uh, but that's a lot say, of work. Not, yeah, not always practical. And it depends yeah. on the size of the garden. If you have a big there garden, that's a lot yeah, of work. It is. Uh, so you might look at maybe fencing around particular specimens. That might be more practical. That, that's the best answer for rabbits is good fencing. But accepting that it's not always practical, your other options are, and we've mentioned this one before, and you know I don't like it, but the it's hair. human hair. The hair, yeah. yeah. Human hair does work. So if you, if, you, if you place human hair around the garden or around particular plants, it will deter the rabbit. Uh, as I said to you several times, I nearly prefer to have rabbits in my garden. I know. The thought of go, go, to your, go to your hairdresser or barber. Yeah. And it obviously yeah. has to be replaced then. Yeah, yeah, it does. It needs to be topped up on. And the other thing, now this is effective, it's lawn mowings. So if you put lawn mowings around the plants that you want to protect, it will, because obviously, as you know, the, gra- the rabbits will eat grass, mm. but they can't digest that type of density, that cut grass. Okay. So, you know, the bucket, the bucket, they can't digest it, it's too heavy, uh, and they instinctively know not to, to go near it, and they don't, and they that does on. work, and I have tried that. The downside of that is, uh, by putting lawn mowings around the place, you will have grass seeds and weed seeds coming up, and if you put them on too thickly, it becomes a bit of a sodden mess. So, in the long term, not that you'll be doing harm, but you, you would just need to, to keep an eye on weeds coming up. Then there is a product then called Grazers. Grazers is a range of repellent products, Um and it was, in fact, I was talking to one of the scientists behind Grazers earlier in the year over in the UK. Uh, and it's basically different formulations of calcium that they use. And it does work to prevent rabbits coming on them, but it's not magic. So it's a, it's a totally organic uh, solution, if you like. You mix this Grazers product with water and water it onto the plants you want to protect. But when I say it's not magic, it does wash off after rain. It does go with time. But after repeated applications, the plant does build up enough of this calcium. The science goes beyond me, I'm afraid, Trish, but the okay. plant, plant does build up enough of this calcium to repel rabbits in time. The, the, the rabbits and other pests... But it will like take time. Calcium content, but it does take time. It's not magic, but in other words, when you put it on the first time, it will keep the rabbits away. They won't go near it. But the next shower of rain, you'll have to put it on again. Yeah, I have, so a, is, I, have a, I have a really dear friend of mine who is going to such great lengths to look after his wonderful wife's uh, grave down in, in West Cork. And the rabbits are just the bane of his life. Every time he'd lovely flowers planted, ah, the rabbits, they has them all gone. And then I was wondering, are, are there particular flowers that rabbits don't like? You know, is, or do they eat anything? There, no, there are, well... It's hard, to, it's hard to give a definitive answer to that question, but I would say yes, there are plants that rabbits won't go for. For example, rosemary and lavender, anything with that very oily scent uh, and high in oil content, they tend to avoid. But that's not always true. So it is, it's difficult to give a definitive answer. But I would say rosemary and lavender would be certainly worth trying. And in your friend's situation, perhaps a few lawn mowings, you know, obviously not covering the whole grave, but in a contained area like that, if he just put some lawn mowings around, I don't know how how it might look terrible. But if he put some lawn mowings in with the plants, it might just keep them. Yeah, off it might just act as a deterrent. Okay, and good luck to Patricia in Bottlefront for the, with her her garden eaten uh, by the rabbits eating everything in sight. Uh, Pat in Mallow put in a few raspberry canes lately. She got them from a neighbour. Some have still got raspberries on. When should they be cut back? And should she feed them? Uh, you got them. Got them recently. Planted them. Um, you would cut them. Where are we? Oh, yeah, you cut them back now. Anytime, really, from now on. And what you're cutting back is you're cutting back the canes, which are fruited this year. So obviously, they're very easy to identify. Some of them because they still have fruit on them. But even if they don't have fruit on them, they're quite easy to identify. Um, 
cut back the brown stems. So the stems that are kind of foxy brown in colour should be removed. Uh, and the ones that are uh, a bright, vibrant green in colour, they're the ones that are going to fruit next year. So they're the ones you need to uh, that, that need to remain. Now, in this situation, because they're so freshly planted, maybe you want, might want to leave it for another 12 months. Maybe you only have the brown canes and you don't have any green canes yet. So in which case, I'd probably leave well alone if you if you already see some some new canes coming, some some vibrant green ones coming, then cut away. If not, I would probably leave it for twelve months before I started cutting them back. Chair in Mallow has a very large variegated holly with red berries. Uh, actually, I've got a, a holly bush that's just. I wish it was Christmas. It's got so many red <laughs> berries on. Uh, it needs to be trimmed back. In Jar's case, when is the right time to do it? Right time to do it is just before flowering. So it's just after the berries and just before flowering. So I would say kind of end of January, start of February, that time. They won't flower till April, May. Uh, and it might be news to some people, of course, that Holly's flower. But, but if, if they didn't flower, then we wouldn't have the berries because it's the flower that becomes the berry. And the flowers are beautiful. You you, you, you kind of have to slow down to look for them. But when you do. you do see them, they're really, really gorgeous. Uh, so if you cut it back now, you won't harm the plant. But you will obviously sacrifice the berries. Uh, so if you don't want to do that, maybe you want them for, for Christmas or maybe you want them for the birds. Uh, leave them till, till let's say end of January and cut it back then OK let's go to Edward in Blackpool um, Edward wants to know can you cut back begonias and will they come back next year it depends you, you've, again you have many different types of begonia but I, in this instance we can probably narrow it down to two so you have what's called the fibrous rooted begonias which are those ones that the bedding begonias Trish as you know with the very very simple small flowers yeah. flower about the size of your thumbnail Um they're the fibrous rooting ones, and the other ones then are the tuberous ones. They're the very, very big, showy, uh, ruffled uh, heads of flower. They're the tuberous begonias, and the, the other are the fibrous rooted. So the fibrous rooted, we would tend to treat as an annual. Okay. So once they've done their thing, that's it. They're done for forever. They, they just give you one season of color. The tuberous ones, no. The tuberous ones, uh, you shouldn't really have to cut them back because they'll flower away a bit like the dahlias. They'll flower away until the frost comes, and when the frost enjoy the blooms until that point and again very similar to the dahlias same advice the correct thing to do is lift them out of the ground store them somewhere cool and dry over the winter like maybe your attic or if you have an unheated glass house or garden shed wrap them in a bit of newspaper to keep them nice and dry uh, and then plant them out again in the spring Hi Peter says a texter should I bring in a banana plant it's over a metre tall I'm living in West Cork Keep an eye on the weather. On the forecast. If okay. it's going to drop below plus one or two, you either put fleece over it or move it in. Texas said about tulip bulbs. When should I sow them? You can be sowing all your autumn bulbs from now on. Uh, tulips can certainly go in now, but I kind of tend to leave my tulips later in the year till the, the temperatures get quite cold um, because there's a bug in the ground. For the life of me, I can never remember whether it's a, a tulip fly or a tulip beetle. But anyway, it, it eats through the tulip bulb. So it can't, it, it dies off when the temperatures fall to about plus two or three, plus one. Uh, 
So when it starts getting cold, that dies off. So that's why I like to leave my uh, tulips until the, the, the temperatures have dropped substantially. I often don't plant them until November. Well, but yes, you certainly can plant them now. Yeah, and the daffodils as well. They're all in. Yeah, all the daffodils up. certainly be getting them in. Yeah. Um, this is from Michael in Bantry, who says, hi, P- hi, Peter. I let the nettles grow for the caterpillars this year along the side of my house. Didn't strim them at all for the first year ever. Did I do the right thing and should I do it again next year? Absolutely. Well done. Absolutely. Well done. And anybody else who's listening the same. Nettles, nettles aren't a weed. A weed, if you like, is just a plant growing in the wrong place, a plant growing where we don't want it. Nettles are a very, very valuable plant in terms of biodiversity. They do feed things, many of the butterflies, uh, the peacock butterfly that the caterpillars feed on it. I think the red admiral too in the tortoise shell, but I could be wrong, but I know the peacock does. Uh, so a very valuable plant, absolutely. Uh, just clap yourself on the back. For well done, one. Michael. Do it again next year. Yeah. And Mary wants to know when can I cut back roses? She had a rambler that she cut back hard two years ago. She said it's doing really well, lots of branches and leaves, but she hasn't done any flowers since. Perhaps cut it back too hard. I know it's two years ago, so hopefully next year. But they should flower even if you do cut them back hard, being honest. Uh, but maybe it was just a bit too much of a shock to the system. So wait and see what it does next year. But I would look at feeding it from early spring next year, from kind of, let's say, start March onwards next year. I would start feeding it and feed it with a specific rose food, like the Goulding's rose food or something like that, or maybe the Nature Safe uh, granular feed, um, just to promote some flowering. But I, I, I would be confident if it's an established plant and it used to flower a lot, I'd be fairly sure it's probably just got too much of a shock. And in terms of when to prune roses, we all have plenty of time, you, really any time from now to the end of February. So why not, again, why not enjoy the blooms while they're there uh, and any time from now to the end of February. There's no rush with the roses. OK, I'm always afraid that it's predictive text. Is it, is it a Hoya yeah. is called the flower? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Hi, Peter. My Hoya produced just, you know, it says two umbels of flowers. Is yeah. that a word? Oh, great stuff. Uh, th- yeah, that, happened well. th- that happened this September. It's 18 foot long now. Should I prune it or feed it? Your advice would be much, appreci- would be much appreciated. I would prune it. Hoyas are an indoor plant. Okay. Uh, stunning kind of, as you correctly say, umbels of, of white flowers normally. They can be pink, but normally white. Um, you can prune it quite How long did you say it is? Um, 18 feet long. Wow. wow. Um, and I wonder, it's kind of a trailing plant a bit. Oh, okay. Like, I was wondering, uh, was saying like, long, not high. It's long. It's, it's well, a trailing. It, it could be, you see, it could be the one. It grows a bit like an ivy, like a timer, but oh, you yeah. could grow it up, up a moss pole or up a bamboo, but I imagine it's probably trailing like in a hanging basket or something like that. So, yes, you can prune it. Um, I would say, when would be the right time to prune it? You could prune it now, really. I would prune things like that when they need when they need it visually, if you know what I mean, as opposed to mm. horticulturally. I wouldn't be too concerned about when I'm doing it. Um so you could prune the hoya now. Feed it. There's a, there's a very good plant food called Bio Gold, and that's a very good plant food to. It's not the baby Bio One now. It, it sounds like, but it's a different one. Bio Gold, and I find that very very good. It's not just for house plants, but I find it great to promote things to flower in pots indoors. Um, so I would feed it with that now, and that after you've pruned it, feed it with that, and I would say that should promote some new flowers. I'm just looking at pictures of it. There's some stunning flowers on some of oh, them. Oh, it's a lovely yeah, plant, yeah, gorgeous. It really is uh, gorgeous. Can I cut back? Good luck with that. Can I cut back a camellia? Mary wants to know. You can cut back a camellia, no problem. But if you do it at this time of the year, camellias are one of these plants, Trish, the, the spring flowering ones, that have their buds on the plant already. They, they, they come into bud August or September of this year, hold those buds right throughout the winter to open up next spring. So 
if you if you cut it back now, you will cut off any flower buds that are on the plant, and they won't produce new ones before next year. Uh, you won't harm the plant, but you will sacrifice your flowers. So the correct time to do it, the time I would recommend you do it, is directly after flowering, which will be determined by the variety, because depending on the variety of camellia, they can be in flower any time from December through to, to June. So depending on your variety, that's when you, you cut them back. As soon as you see the last flower fall off it, cut it back. Okay, and someone says carbolic soap grated around plants for rabbits. That came up before and we yes, had did, we had yeah. mixed reaction with some people saying it didn't work at all and we had others, others saying it, it did. So I don't know whether it depends on the rabbits, in a, rabbits yeah. in, in a particular uh, area. Okay, that's where we leave for today. It's still okay. A lot of people are talking about their grass, their grass needing a good cut but that the ground is so, soaking that's wet. That's the problem. It, 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 yeah. We're at the time of the year now, Trish, where you're just kind of play with nature, get out and do it when you can. It's still needed, it's still growing, but yes, you don't want to be, when it's frosty or when it's waterlogged, you need to stay off it, yeah. Okay, all right, we leave it there. Thank you for that, Peter. Thanks, Trish. Have a lovely week and uh, we'll chat again next week. That is Peter Dowdell, the IrishGardener.com and you can check him out on his Facebook page as well. Um, and that's where I leave you for today. I can see there are other people worried about these smart uh, meters, but just on a quick uh, look n- that on on that I've just done a quick search. It is radio waves which allow uh, the reading. It's such a small amount of radiation. Uh, I really don't think people need to be concerned, but I'll try and do some more research. That's where I leave it for today. Thanks to Bernie Murphy who produced. We're back with you tomorrow morning at 10. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.,